Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Unsafe Space. You're watching Covfefe Break with me, Carter, and Carrie. Hello, Carter. Good morning. Morning. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm all good. All well. Um, as a reminder, if you are not subscribed, please go hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Make sure you're still subscribed because sometimes they like to kick people off uh, without their consent. Um, also, you can go to unsafespace.com. It's the best way to find our content. We're on library and other platforms as well. And unsafespace.com is kind of where we make sure we can reach you no matter what's going on in the censoring world. And what else? We have book club coming up. I don't have the book next to me. It is Beyond Order by Jordan Peterson. And it is, is it next? Is it this Sunday, May 30th? It is. It's May 30th. You guys still have time to read the book or get audio version. And it's free to join our book club and to participate. And it's it's open for everyone. You can be on camera with us, with everyone discussing, or you can just be in the live chat. But you can go to unsafespace.com or the book club page to find out more info. Yep. And book after that is Catch-22. So if you want to start on that one, do that. I think that's all the things that I'm thinking. Are those all the things? Yeah, we have a retreat coming up. It's our first ever retreat in August. So if you want to meet other unpersons in the unsafe space community, you can still get a day pass for Saturday. That's when the bulk of all the activities are happening. We rented out a fancy ranch in Texas um, you can get a day pass. You can go to unsafespace.com and go to the retreat page to find out, find out more info. That's yep. It. All right. That's all the stuff. Um, and we have a we have a super chat to start the day. We might as well just do it right now. Richard Pets. Good morning, Richard. You're the first super chatter of the day. Uh, Richard says there is no kind of freedom other than the kind which the market economy brings about, which is a Ludwig von Mises quote from Human Action. Um, one of my favorite books. So, yeah. yes, there is no freedom from reality, but there is freedom to act. <laughs> so, thank you for that, Richard. All right, Carrie, do you have anything that you are particularly excited to talk about today, or <laughs> excited? Is it a day? No, not. I wouldn't say excited, but um, you know, why? What are your topics? Oh, I mean. <laughs> I, so I've been wanting to talk about uh, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew uh, Lohmeyer, who I reached out to but is not uh, hasn't responded yet, but I'd like to get him on the show. He was the, he was the Space Force guy who got fired for writing a book. Um, oh, I haven't heard anything then, about this. You can, oh, you can tell me okay. about this because my thing is ridiculous, so we could start with some real news. <laughs> okay, well, I, this is also ridiculous. Um, so this guy's name, he was uh, Lieutenant Colonel Matthew uh, Lohmeyer, I guess is how you say it. And he wrote a book. Here, well, let me show you the book. He wrote a book. Here's the book. It's called Irresistible Revolution. Um, here's about the author. I'll read about the author just so you know who this guy is. He's a 2006 graduate from the United States Air Force Academy. He began his active duty military career as a pilot, flying over 12,000 hours in the T-38 as an instructor pilot, followed by the T, or sorry, by the F-15C. After flying, he cross-trained into space operations and gained, I can't believe we have a space force. I forgot we had that. Uh, he cross-trained into space operations and gained expertise in space-based military, sorry, missile warning. Uh, in October 2020, he transferred to the United States Space Force. He has two master's degrees, a master in military operational 
art, operational art and sciences, and a master of philosophy in military strategy. Currently, he's a lieutenant colonel in command of a space-based missile warning squadron in Colorado where he lives with his wife and children. Well, so this guy, he was seeing a problem in the military. And Kerry, you can guess the philosophic origin of this problem. We'll just put it out there. What do you think it might be? Tell me. <laughs> critical tell race me. theory. Okay. Critical race theory. So he saw Sorry. critical race theory. Oh, I just sorry. got a text from my money boss, my gig job. So oh. I lost part of that. But okay. I'm still here. I'm sorry. Okay. That was very rude. That's okay. But so he was he was noticing problem with people um, it, under his command and other people he interviewed and spoke with uh, that the critical race theory, which as people who watch this show know, is basically a form of racism, um, which is kind of racist against everyone, uh, both people of color and white people. <laughs> so it's a nice package deal of lots of racism. Um, it's an hey, equal it opportunity an on- ideology, equal opportunity <laughs> yes, racist belief system. Yeah, yeah, something racist they mean by to equity. say about everyone. Yes, <laughs> that's right. As as racism racism goes everywhere. Uh, so uh, and they they named it anti racism because they've never read George Orwell, um, or they did read George Orwell and they recognized how great that was. So um, he noticed it was causing morale problems, shock uh, amongst uh, both whites and I'll use the phrase of CRT people of color. Both were like not enjoying the assumptions made about their political ideology or their beliefs. Um, people were graduating the Air Force Academy saying, like, I don't really want to stay. <laughs> like, he was noticing real problems. So he wrote a book. Uh, and he wrote a book, and the book is called Irresistible Revolution. Let me read what the synopsis uh, – is there a synopsis here? Well, it's basically about how CRT take is taking over the military and – the negative effects. So he, he starts the beginning of the book, he starts about talking about what CRT is and the founding principles of the United States and how it's incompatible. And then towards the end, he talks about how it's impacted the military and he's recommending the military does not, you know, you guys should stop using CRT-based diversity training stuff. It's not helpful. That's basically his point. And he went through the channels. Uh, he went through the proper channels. He Because when you have a clearance, you have to if you're going to write a book that touches on anything related to the military, you have to send it in and get them their buy-in, right? It's to make sure you're not saying right. stuff you shouldn't or whatever. So he went through the channels, uh, got approved, book got published, did very well on Amazon. In fact, I think it's sold out on Amazon right now. I don't think you can get it. Um, and shortly after it was published... Let's see if I can pull up the article for it. Here we go. Shortly after it was published, boom, he's fired. Wow. The guy's fired. Um, yeah, I don't have to read this article about it, but uh, it's an, it's a he was calling the he was calling his book a time a timely and bold contribution and about the impact of a neo-Marxist agenda at the ground level within our armed forces. So this guy who had people under his command, a lieutenant colonel, wrote a book, did all the stuff he was supposed to, got himself fired for speaking the truth about critical race theory infiltrating the military. And the thing, the thing about this that I think 
is worth giving a uh, pause to. And this is something that uh, Jason mentioned when he, he shared this with me originally, this article. And uh, why would they purge the military ideologically unless they were planning on using the military for ideological purposes? Well, the, you and I know the answer to this, and I think most of our audience does. I mean, everything has become infected with this ideology, including the military. I remember there was someone saying, oh, I was on uh, Friday Night Tights on Nerdrotic on this past Friday, which was a lot of fun hanging out with those guys, as always. And somebody was saying something about how, uh, you know, I, I can't remember who was saying this, but it was something to the effect of once you start recruiting all these people into the military who can't meet the physical requirements, well, they're going to drop out. You're going to have a lot of dropouts. And that would be, that would be one uh, assumption that people make, but I think it's an incorrect assumption because what they're going to do is then change the rules so that there aren't dropouts. We've already seen this with, you know, people made the assumption that once people got, once young people became indoctrinated to this ideology in college, that they would be useless. And it's like, well, once they get in the real world, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to be fit to, to function in the real world. The real world is like this. Well, they, they are remaking the real world. <laughs> they are remaking the military. They are changing it. They are changing the physical fitness requirements. They are going well, to. Well, obviously that doesn't work long term, but it doesn't in the work medium long term, term, they can get away with it. Yeah. Oh, in the medium term, they'll totally get away with it. I mean, look at look at this ideology and entertainment. Everyone's always talking about how props are down, audience is tuning out. Nobody likes the woke Doctor Who. Nobody, it's terrible. Nobody likes the woke Batwoman. It's terrible. Nobody's watching. They're losing money. They don't care that they're losing money. They're living off the largesse of a system that existed that was based on meritocracy before this ideology took over. This is what you talked about. At some point they will need to make money again, but how long, how long can they ride this out and, and continue to lose profits? And the same thing with the military. It's like, once we get our butts handed to us, <laughs> you know, at some point we will need a military that is at the height of physical strength and, and, you know, at the height of, uh, we'll need we'll need a military like a well-oiled machine again at some point, but right now they're kind of like, you know. Yeah. No. Did you, I, and, did you, you know, see? Are, this is this is related to that video. I'm sure you saw it. I know you're on social media, but this was everywhere. But the video comparing the ad for the uh, Russian army versus the U.S. army. I don't think I saw that. Oh, my. This relates to what you're talking about. (laughs) Okay, Okay, so for anybody who hasn't yet seen this, uh, I'm going to send this to you guys right now. But you can finish telling me about this guy. I'm glad you brought this up. I mean, I don't look, I I don't think there's a lot more to talk about. I mean, he interviewed a bunch of people. It's in the book. He he talked about it. I think, you know, I skipped the first. I'll be honest. I skipped the first two sections. It's like I think it's a three part book. I skipped the first two sections because they were here's what the principles of America are and here's what critical race theory is. And I was like, okay, yeah. well, I can skip that. Let's get to the military. Um, and you know, it was a lot of anecdotes and analysis of the problems that this is causing in the military and it's real. And he makes a great point. And, uh, yeah, I guess, I mean, 
in one sense, they, they are behaving like real Marxists, which is that they're parasites off of something that someone else created. That's what Marxism oh, yeah. is, right? Um, Marxism never starts. Notice that Marxism doesn't start when you're starving and poor. Like when your country is poor, that's not, <laughs> it starts when like, oh, some kind of economic activity started first and we're rich and now we need Marxism. And then you get yourself yeah. to be massively poor and undo Marxism, right? That's what. I mean, even China undid Marxism when they they got things were sucking and, you know, Deng Xiaoping came in and said, this kind of doesn't work. Let's do socialism with a Chinese characteristics. OK, that's great. Like that means not socialism, just authoritarianism because we need money. Um, yeah. So, you know, Marx, Marx is not just a, an economic parasite, uh, but this neo-Marxism is a par is like a. It's a spiritual parasite to use that word even oh, as yeah. an atheist, but like it's a, it's spiritually parasitic. There's there's a there's um all of this momentum and inertia, like positive inertia for good feelings and goodwill and in a certain attitude in professions like healthcare or the military or whatever. And the socialists come in and live off of those that attitude until those people die out and you've got and then you're left with only the new generation. And their attitude sucks because they're a bunch of Marxists um, yeah. and the whole thing falls apart. And, and so the whole thing falls apart. And then they blame capitalism. Someone writes a thing about how capitalism doesn't work and that's the end. <laughs> right. OK, so I sent you this. This is a great comparison between an ad to join the military in Russia and one of the new ads. Now, there have been several of these woke ads lately for uh, the United States, for, for the CIA for the army, there've been several. You saw that CIA woke, one, yeah. Woke recruitment ads, yeah. Let's watch this side by side and try not to. Way, <laughs> try not I know to, that I. Go ahead, sorry. I'm just saying, try not to poop your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, I'm ready. Um, <laughs> by the way, I'm seeing that it's a TikTok thing. I am not on social media, but I'm seriously considering getting a TikTok account because it seems like there's so much, all the stupidity is just being concentrated in TikTok. So yeah. if I want to laugh at an idiot, he's likely on TikTok. Whatever he's doing is probably on TikTok. Okay, hey, let's pull this I'm up. <laughs> I didn't say only idiots. Uh, all right, let's see and let's play. На что ты способен? Вопросы могут остаться без ответов, но разве ты способен узнать себя, познать границы своих возможностей? К черту границы, а без боя нет победы. Но на самом деле, главный враг – это дача выследить врага, догнать его, превзойти, стать лучше, чем он. It begins in California, with a little girl raised by two moms. They also marched for equality. I like to think I've been defending freedom from an early age to marry my other mom. With such powerful role models, I finished high school at the top of my class. And after meeting with an army recruiter, I found it. A way to prove my inner strength. I'm a corporal Emma Lomo. Thanks for my You, you may not speak Russian, Carter, but I've been called a Russian bot. And to be fair, in that first commercial for the Russian military, he was talking about his two moms. You just didn't. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I expected uh, 
I expected Putin to come in shirtless riding a horse at the end of that one. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> That's where we are, America. Uh, <laughs> you know, at least this time, like when Rome falls, when Rome fell, you know, a couple thousand years later, we had to think about like, why? Let's let's investigate. At least this will be well documented for future generations. <laughs> It'll be like, oh, this is how America fell. Yes. Wow. <laughs> this is a, what a spectacle. Get some popcorn, guys. This is what the end of the world looks like. <laughs> Rachel in chat says... Carrie, they missed the part where she was a ballerina. They cut out the st the start of the cartoon, says Real Raven. Yeah, so they did edit, you know, somebody was putting these two side by side. So you're getting a little excerpts of each commercial. But these highlights together, I think, are kind of somebody said this isn't funny. I know it's not. But you do have to find a way. I think anyway, I have to find a way to laugh at it. Otherwise, you're going to just uh, be demoralized to the point. It makes me want to join the Russian military. I'll tell you that. <laughs> makes me want to join the Russian. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, meanwhile, he uh, was talking about his two moms and being a ballerina. You just didn't. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Actually, it was she. She's she was transgender. You couldn't tell. Yeah. Oh my. There's no difference oh. at all between. There's no difference. Females and men. <laughs> Anyway. Well, Kelly, I don't know why we didn't start with that. That was awesome. Why did we never start with this ad? That was that here's, was that was great. So here's something. Let me let me share this with you. Uh, okay. My preacher's sermon yesterday. He talked about this. I told you it was everywhere. I saw it all over social media, and then my preacher talked about it in the sermon. This comparison of the Russian military ad and the U.S. military ad. And for for anyone who wants to check out my church, it's called the Church on the Square. It's in it's in Texas. You can find it on Facebook and YouTube and they have been censored from advertising on Facebook. So I try and push people, people who are curious to go find them yourself. So anyway, they, he talked about how uh, resentment, it was, it was a sermon about envy and resentment. And he was, and he was saying, you know, he believes we're living in one of the most resentful times in history ever, because you don't just have the normal human resentment that exists. It's, it's uh, you've got this manufactured they're selling us resentment as well. It's being sold to us. And, you know, he was sort of, he started the sermon from a place of, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing to desire blessings and gifts. It's a good thing to desire because that, that is the impetus you need to then do good things in your life, to make the sacrifices you need to make to get the good things that you want, to get the blessings you want. But, but what's bad is when that desire for good things starts to be combined with a sense of entitlement and an arrogance and an entitlement of like, uh, why haven't I gotten this? Life is so unfair to me. Why does that person have X, Y, Z and not me, 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 entitlement, entitlement. And then it becomes resentment. It can become resentment. And so you're saying in a, in a culture where you've got the natural uh, human tendency towards resentment that we all individually uh, battle with and some have conquered and some have not. And, you know, people are ta overtaken by that to varying degrees. But you've got natural resentment. But then you've got an ideology that's selling you resentment. And that's telling you, look at the advertising towards women, for example. He talked about women. Instead of race, he talked about sex. Okay. You've got everyone now telling you that if, if there's not 50-50 parity in STEM, if there's not 50-50 representation in STEM, that it must be sexist oppression. 
and that something is being taken from you women, you should feel resentment about that. And as we've pointed out on this show before, and as he pointed out, they only do, they only do that when it comes to um, occupations where they 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 look at it and they see power. They don't do that. They don't point out the disparities in sanitation work. Homeless you know, people. homeless people, sanitation homeless homeless work. They don't care. Overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. But if it's something like STEM, and they say, "Oh, it must be sexist oppression," you must feel resentment, and and they're growing resentment in people based on their identity care, you know, what identity groups are you in here now, now that I know, I know how to tailor the resentment I'm selling to you. And he said, one thing that resentment does, if, if you live in it long enough and it poisons you is it can cause you to start to invert the very hierarchy that's, that's, that, that originally started you wanting good things. You will start to invert that hierarchy and you will start to put the good things at the bottom and the bad things at the top. And you, and you will start to put, or not, not, it does not always have to be good or bad, but you will start to invert these hierarchies uh, upon which success or achievement or blessings are measured. And so, for example, um, you, you might start to denigrate people who are gregarious and have lots of friends and friendly. You might start to say, oh, that's a bad thing and they're so fake or whatever. You know, you may, you may start to see that as negative and then you start putting at the top, elevating things that you have in yourself, like, like uh, cruelty and hatred and, and, and what have you. But you can also see it with the military. There, you can't, women biologically are not the same as men biologically, no matter the lies they want I'm to sorry, tell us Susan. <laughs> Women are not the same. We're not exactly the same, newsflash. And and so if, if you want, uh, in a place like the military, where there are certain rules and standards and there's a hierarchy that measures how, how well you do and how high you achieve, they're going to start to invert that. Because you can't turn women into men. You're going to have to feminize the military. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to make it more feminine. And that's what this ad is about. This ad is inverting that hierarchy when it comes to the army. It's like... Yeah. Um, let's make it about ballet and my two moms and feeling good and, you know, self-discovery. And I just, I just, I don't know. I thought that was very interesting. So thanks for letting me show that part yeah. of it. I mean, you can, you can breed resentment, I think, by doing some of the things that we see that they're doing, right? You mm-hmm. take agency away from people. You convince them that they are not in control of their own lives. Um, so, so desire is healthy. Right. If it's Mm -hmm. something that you want, that's fine. That can be, I mean, indulging in every desire is not healthy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying to be a hedonist, but having desire is fine. Right. Um, But when you, when you, when you take away agency from a group of people and you, you tell them that they're not, the personal responsibility is gone. They're not the ones responsible for their station in life. That pretty quickly turns to uh, envy. Yeah. Right. Um, because now it's like, well, why does that person have this thing? Like if I didn't do anything to get where I am, then why they didn't do anything to get where they are. It's kind of arbitrary. Um, and, and envy obviously is like very close to resentment. Like it gets, it gets there very quickly. Um, one of the things that I, um, I think is a litmus test and it's hard to do this now. This is just with money resentment, but it's hard to do this now because the people I'm going to mention have a lot of uh, 
like people like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos, there's other reasons to dislike them, or, or Zuckerberg. There's a cultural war going on, so there's other reasons to dislike them. But I remember back in the day um, when Bill Gates was still running Microsoft, um, the the litmus test that I would use was like, do people just have a like a negative attitude with people who know nothing about him other than that he's a billionaire who runs Microsoft? Do they just have a negative attitude about him right off the bat, right? Um, because that's just that's just resentment. That's just envy. Um, like if again, I want to speak about Bill Gates from the '80s and '90s because he might have now. I, I don't know what he's up to, and I might have issue with him. But like when I look at him back then, I'm happy that he was rich. I'm happy that he's a billionaire. I'm happy for him. It's good for him. It's good for me. It's good for everyone around us. Like he built all these like. He he helped democratize the PC. Basically, he got he got not democratized, but um, I don't know, make it more ubiquitous. He helps he helps get PCs into everyone's hands. I mean, Michael Dell, like those people, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself for the people that I was you know looking at uh, in my 20s or whatever. But there were there are people who look at those rich people and they hate them because they are rich. Mm. Right. That they have resentment because they're rich. Um, and that's if you're if you fall into that category. Uh, you're in a dangerous psychological place because it's fine to not like Bill Gates because of stuff he's done recently with vaccines and whatever. Like, that's fine. I, I'm talking about for the money. Right. And you saw it when Elon Musk was on Saturday Night Live, you saw uh, Saturday Night Live tweeted Elon's going to be coming on the show or whatever. They did their promo. And about half of the people in the Twitter uh, responses were like, yay, Elon, I want to see Elon, whatever. People, there's, mm -hmm. he's geeky, he's Asperger-y, people like Elon. Um, but about half of them were like hating on him, like really badly, like really hating on the guy. Um, and criticizing Saturday Night Live for having him on, and he, he has a big enough platform, why give him more, blah, blah, blah. And it's this zero-sum mentality which is not how life works elon's money doesn't make you poorer except to the extent that he actually has taken loans from the federal government in which case it might um but you know rich people's money doesn't make you poorer if they've earned their money on the free market you, it's not at your expense it's not mm -hmm. at your expense um and you know that attitude to me if someone when i meet someone and their first attitude towards wealth is to sneer at it and be resentful towards it, I just, I give them a wide berth. I don't want anything to do with them. I don't want to be their friend. I don't want to be their acquaintance. I don't want to hang out with them. Um, you know, if they have a valid reason for a particular person, like, you know, I've got problems with Zuckerberg, Gates, and Jack Dorsey, and those people now, that's fine, but that's different. But if you just say so-and-so is a billionaire and that makes them hate them, that's a problem. And that's the world we're living in. And it's not just money anymore. Now it's any kind of power, any kind of position, and it's getting pettier. It well, gets more and more petty as time goes by, right? Yeah, and also they're they're moving away from hating people for money. And th I think this is a conscious choice. I think this is part of the reason why the elites have been pushing this social justice-based Marxism, the, the identity politics-based Marxism, because it's a great distraction away from what people on the left have been focusing on, which was class inequality, what they call class inequality. And, and you know, with, with uh, Occupy Wall Street, they had been focusing on 
the elite being those with most of the wealth. And then, you know, remember whenever someone at the 1% and the 99% and nobody's talking about that anymore. And on the left, why? Because, because the left got eaten up with the social justice identity politics, Marxism. And that's why a lot of the, the actual Marxists, the class-based Marxists are, are pretty pissed off with SJWs as well because they've taken the focus away from class and wealth and put it all on identity. But look at what a great shell game that is. Look what a great trick that is because now you've got people like, uh, you know, that Black Lives Matter founder we were talking about, Patricia Kohler's, mm-hmm. what does she have, five mansions now or something? Three mansions, uh, five mansions, whatever. Some and number she, greater than one. Right, some number greater than one with a helicopter pad and everything. And and one of those one of those mansions is in a uber white area in Los Angeles. And and because they've done such a good job making the predominant ideology about power imbalance, so-called power imbalance, based on what racial group and what sex you belong to, and whatever, you can have someone like that hiding in plain sight from the left from the people on the left who are obsessed with oppression and the oppressed and inequality and what have you, they don't mind these multimillionaires as long as they're speaking the social justice ideology. The reason they have a problem with Elon Musk is because he's filthy rich and he's not woke. That's why they have a problem with him. If he were woke, Oh, they would forgive all of his wealth. They don't, they, they've become so disturbed. And I'm not, I don't mean all the whole of the left, obviously. I think our audience is smart enough to know what I'm talking about. Those Marxists, those actual class, you know, class-obsessed Marxists on the left, they're still there. They're just outnumbered. They're grossly outnumbered, and they're outspoken by these people with the megaphones who are running everything now on the left to make everything about identity, about what race, well, racial group you're in and, and, and all that. So they're not really – they're not really – most of the envy I see these days, the, the envy and the resentment they're – is based on race and and sex and sexuality and all this identity based stuff and there's still some of it they sell about well that's true but that usually takes a backseat to the other stuff and from what I've observed yeah I don't think that actually I think Marxism has always been about power mm-hmm. and I think if you look at Marxism historically the anti-wealth thing um doesn't play out well for them. And I think they know that like the, even if you look at like the Russian revolution, it's not, it wasn't the poor people who overthrew the czars. It was the liberal elite. It was wealthy people. Like it was the upper middle class. They might've found a few super wealthy people to vil- to villainize uh, or vilify, like obviously the czars, the Romanovs and, and those kind of people, right? So they, they definitely found people to, to vilify but I don't know that they – I don't know that it's ever been focused on wealth alone because typically Marxism stems from a psychology that would prefer that you and I each make $10 rather than you make 100 and I make 1000 because $10 is equal and they want that, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that's their mentality. So um, right. it's and they've always been focused and and I think their focus on money was predominantly as a as a means to access power. And I think they've realized that uh, they don't need to be completely 
focused on money, there's other ways to access power that are more effective. Uh, and, and frankly, actually, money is what they need. They need money for this revolution. They oh, can't, yeah. It can't be a bunch of Antifa guys living in their mom's basement taking over the world. They need Bezos and Jack Dorsey and Zuckerberg. Like, they need their money. They need the money of Hollywood. So they can't win in a, in a society in which which is even mixed economy. You can't win a classical Marxist argument by vilifying all of the rich constantly because everyone wants to get rich and there's a lot of class mobility and not everyone is going to hate the rich in the same way because they recognize that the money is not ill-gotten like the Romanovs but earned in some way or at least often earned part of it. And so there's it's very difficult to do. So to win, you need the money. You can't actually, those classical Marxists that you're talking about, they're just gonna always bitch about money. They're never gonna win in a mixed economy, ever, ever. No. Because it, that won't work. But you find some other grift, uh, <laughs> some other thing for people to get uh, that will get you power. Um, and you know, money is, a, is one key to power, but so is fame, so is uh, owning the school system, so is ideology, so is class warfare, like all, like, racial gender all that yeah. stuff um yeah I, I wanted to just knock out a couple of these real quick mickey the fifth uh thank you for the super chat it's on screen says marxism has always been about resentment they conceptualize the entire yes. thing as poor being poor only because of oppression the hatred is in its core yes and 100%. uh and then chicago box Welcome, Chicago Box says, Hail Carrie. I'm new to your streams. I found you very interesting with the boys on FNT. Thanks. I had so much fun with those guys. Enjoying the conversation and vibe here. Got a new sub for sure. And thank you. It's, and welcome. I hope everyone, is, all, every, all the other unpersons treat you with, uh, with, treat you kindly. Okay, Rebecca P. Rebecca P says, I think this is a joke. Says my friend got yes. the Bill Gates vaccine and now she can stick magnets to herself and just wants to be a trans activist in the U.S. Army. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do that. I think that's totally serious. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. And then Joseph Oak says Carrie's connection is better than as from the past, but not by much. We're working on that, getting my connection fixed. Um, I know we've been saying that for a while, but we actually had we made steps towards it this week. So, yeah, it's better than as from the past. And then I'll fight you naked says my friend got the Bill Gates vaccine and now he has 5G everywhere and a voice in his head keeps whispering, are you sure you want kids? Strange. <laughs> you guys are being funny today. Are you going to get us banned? Uh, SB says, have you all heard the drunk driving argument when debating the right to choose to wear a mask? How do you debunk it? Uh, I'm, I'm not. Argument. Oh, I think what this person means is. Those people who say, "Oh, do you think it's you think it's a tyranny or oppression for the government to say that to mandate mask wearing?" Well, do you think it's tyranny or oppression for the government to say it's a, it's illegal to drunk drive? Yes, because the government it's tyranny for the government to own the roads. But yeah, uh, I don't know how you would answer. Yeah, see, Carter. Those people <laughs> who try to play that game will never win with Carter because. He's an anarcho-capitalist. He's he doesn't believe in having a government. <laughs> so they're like, gotcha. And he's like, whoop, like slips right out. Like <laughs> right. <laughs> roads. Who owns these roads? 
<laughs> Whoever like, owns the roads should be able to set the rules for how much alcohol you can have in your system when driving on them. Hey. Yeah. There's a thought. Whoever owns um, the roads, yeah. <laughs> I, I think there's a if, – if you want to be uh, – if you want to step back and be a normie on the roads, um, we can say, well, <clears throat> the issue here is that this is a – this is a slippery slope because if you're going to take the position that you can't ever do anything that risks anyone else's life, right? That puts that puts their life at risk when unintentional. Um, but if you're going to label things like stepping outside without a mask as somehow irresponsible and putting other people's lives at risk, which by the way, without COVID, Going to the store without a mask does put other people's lives at risk. There are other diseases in the world. You could be carrying them. Who knows? You could have peanuts on your sweater and fall and trip on someone who's allergic to peanuts. Like, there's plenty of things. There's always some level of risk in the world. So the, the question is, normally what we default in in, in the normal world, I'm, I'm going to libertarianism and, anar and, and anarchy aside for a moment. In the normie world, we try and say, well, you should have as many freedoms as possible unless you're doing something that's kind of generally agreed as clearly putting other people's lives at risk in a very irresponsible way. So the argument that I've heard people use against COVID is like shooting a gun into the air. You can't run outside and shoot your gun into the air because what goes up comes down and you're putting people at risk for no reason. Like that's that's not allowed. Right. And people say, OK, that's a reasonable rule. That's not that's not allowed. You're taking a risk that you don't need to take um, and you're putting people's lives in danger in danger. <clears throat> now. The minute you start saying if, if you're going to have a society based on that, you've got to be very you've got to err on the side of letting people take some risk. You got to be very careful because you could say, well, um, OK. Drunk driving is bad. Okay, fine. Texting is bad. Okay, fine. Having a conversation with your passenger. Could, should that be illegal? That slightly increases the odds that you're not paying attention to the road and therefore uh, and therefore increases the likelihood that you'll hit someone. Having a radio in your car, you have to glance down at it once in a while or adjust something. Maybe we shouldn't have that because that slightly increases the risk that you might not be looking at the road. Um, you know, maybe cars should only be able to go 20 miles an hour. Maybe that should be the speed limit, because if you go 25 miles an hour or 60, that increases the chances that you're going to kill. Maybe someone. you shouldn't be able to drive at all. This is what I always say to those. People. That's right. Drunk driving. Right. Forget that. Let's go further. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many accidents happen per year? Not with alcohol, not involved at all. It, it is a risk. Every time you get behind the wheel, you might kill someone. So That's I think right. the government should step in, according to you, and say you can't drive. None of us can drive. Right. And so this is what I was talking about before. There's this Manichaean perspective where there's like there's safe and not safe. And those are not the proper categories. Mm -hmm. That's not how the world is. The world is not this thing's either safe and, and or not safe. That's not how the world is. Everything is on some – it's some risk management thing that you're doing. Okay. Do you drive to the store to get milk? Well, you are putting your life and other people's lives at risk when you drive to the store to get milk. No matter how good of a driver you think you are, you are putting someone's life at risk. How Is it dare worth it? you, well, granny killer. Right. 
But as a society, we generally say, well, it's a small risk and it's kind of ridiculous to not let you go anywhere. Obviously, you need to have the freedom to go places and do things and act like a normal person. So you're not doing anything that we would consider irresponsible. Now, what they've done with this virus is they've taken a virus that has a 99 point something percent survival rate where I think there's at least a few comorbidities on average for every death. Okay, so it's predominantly affects old people with other comorbidity factors. They've taken that and they have treated it as if it is the zombie apocalypse that will turn a healthy 20-year-old into dead very quickly at like a 90% chance. They've turned it into this behavior or this thing that is, it's a threat. They've made it such an existential threat. They've gone so far beyond the pale with respect to the risk that um, they are now trying to make these arguments. Well, you should have to wear a mask. You should do this, blah, 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 because they're now putting this in the category. I mean, the idea of equating this with drunk driving is is telling, right? That's, they yeah. view not wearing a mask as irresponsible as drunk driving. That means they think it's very dangerous and very deadly. That's what yeah. they think about it. Um, and so, I, look, if you're going for zero risk, the only way you can achieve zero risk is to kill the entire population. Then no one's at risk. <laughs> if there's one guy left, no one else can hurt him. The end. He'll die alone. That's the risk. Um, I mean, that, that's how you get rid of risk. If you want to have some risk and let people have a normal life, then you have to err, A, on the side of giving them freedom, and B, on the side of letting the people who are vulnerable make the choice, right? It's not exactly like drunk driving because – it's like a weird kind of drunk driving where if you step into a car drunk off your ass and I'm 20 and healthy, you're not very likely to hit me at all. But if I'm 85 and have three comor comorbidity factors, you're very likely to hit me. That's kind of weird. How is your risk? How is your action any different? Your action's not different at all. Why yeah. is the impact so different? The impact is different because it's not a ubiquitously, it's not an evenly distributed risk factor everywhere. There are yeah. certain people who are at much higher risk and those people should take action to protect themselves. Yes. And I support Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine taking personal, a world where people weighed risks every day, risk and rewards for every choice they make and then took responsibility for their choices and their risk, their level of risk that they take on in each choice. Unbelievable. <laughs> right. Right. And I, and I, get I would even so tired like, of, look, if you're yeah. going into a nursing home, you've got to wear a mask during the pan like, pandemic. Like if you're going to a place to like, if I were, if I ran a nursing home, I would absolutely yeah. say hand sanitizing. You can't really visit. I might require testing. You have to wear masks. Like my, my, my residents would be vulnerable. Yes. Yes, I Running agree. a nursery school, not so much. <laughs> I'll be like, or oh, no. whatever, you know, try not to eat too much mud. Like it's a nursery school um, and they're not vulnerable. And if the reverse were true, if this was a virus that attacked kids, we would reverse it. But we wouldn't say yeah. you have to wear a mask and stuff on nursing homes and blah, 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 if old people weren't affected. But this, I think that the the problem well, here is that you're talking to people who honestly believe that this is like the zombie apocalypse Ebola and they can't see past, they can't look at any actual numbers and make a rational risk fact analysis. Um, no, they are only looking too, at this in the black and white 
it's bad, bad, bad. They're fear driven. Right? They're they're being manipulated. Yeah. They are, they are being uh, they're the puppets of propaganda, and they can't even see it. The, uh, Christopher Gorey nails it. He gave us a super chat. Thank you, sir. Good to mm-hmm. see you today. He said, "Just announce Trump. Just put pronouns in your bio. Just say a cab. Just stay home. It's just a mask. Just get the damn vaccine. It's about how far they can bend our necks. It's all about power. Yeah." Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I don't know if that argument will work on someone who does the drunk driving thing, but that's absolutely true. Yeah. Little ragamuffin. Hello, lady. She says humans have a hundred percent death rate. We are all what? What? <gasps> Stop it. We are all gonna die. No matter what you do, you're gonna die. No one makes it out of this world alive. What how how that's triggering. Uh wait, is it, yeah, there's probably gonna be some way that is triggering. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't believe in death. I identify as immortal. Now I'm I think, offended. Yeah. You invalidate my very existence, little ragamuffin. <laughs> Johnny Boy Quickdraw says this is a non-issue. Even the companies that make masks will tell you that you wear a mask to protect yourself, not others. I don't recall ever seeing Abestos pipes wearing masks to protect workers. <laughs> Mickey the Fourth says technically, according to consistent research results, slow driving is more dangerous than fast driving oh, really? okay. due to provoking aggression in other drivers. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I actually, now that you've said that, I have seen that. Um, but it's uh, the curve isn't linear. So um, if, if I hadn't said 20 miles an hour and I said like 55 is actually safer than 75, that's proven. It's like 20, but 20 is really bad, right? So it's like, if you're abnormally low compared to the average speed on the highway. Um, but yes. Well, uh, you want to keep going or no? I think I got all of them. Uh, Celia Dryle gives us five bucks. I don't know how to say that, but that's that's what you get. Uh, Celia Dryle. Mickey the Fourth says classic Marxists consider we inequality. Did Didn't we do that? Oh. Nope. Classic okay. Marxists consider inequality under the under free system as being a result of capitalists unjustly pricing labor due to their stupid economic theory. Right. <laughs> right. They think it's unjustly priced labor. Um, also, Christopher Gorey says, uh, oh, wait, no, that might be from yesterday. No, no, that's today. Wow, you got a lot of super chats. Okay, Christopher Gorey says, guys, at a pro soccer game this weekend, fans calmly booed players kneeling for the anthem and were arrested. <gasps> expression only goes one way nowadays the charge suspicion of harboring racism <gasps> is this in the where, uk where what is this where that is it? has to be the uk or canada <laughs> did you see in canada they're wow. arresting they're uh, handing out citations now i'm not sure if they're making arrests but they're handing out citations at least for people shaking hands <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, NPCs. You know, you guys have a psychological problem, right? Tickets. You know that there's insanity yeah. happening, in right? I, I, we used to laugh at people who obsessively washed their hands and like were massive germaphobes, and now it's like there's this mass lunacy going on. Here, I just <sighs> sent you and I sent you and Beverly a link. We can see that they're handing out tickets for handshaking. This is in Ontario. Hey, we should be allowed to have uh, anal sex orgies, but not shake hands. That's This is the new leftist position. Uh, yeah. Your giggle just then reminded me of Mozart's giggle in Amadeus. Oh, God. <laughs> it was, it was a good giggle. I don't even know what that means. I don't like it. Okay. 
<laughs> oh, Beverly's, Beverly's putting it up. Oh, great. Good. I forgot we had a Beverly. All right. They're giving out tickets for Shaking Hands in Ontario. This is going to be tough on Canada because Canada is so polite. They probably shake hands with everyone. Oh, wow. Uh, are we supposed to be listening? I don't know if we're supposed to be listening or not. but There's some volume, it. but we don't really need to hear it. You get there's, the gist. I doubt there's much to say. Yeah, yeah. there's not much um, to say. Yeah, I had not, I yeah. had not seen that. Uh, let me Canada is more. much worse Sorry, further along than in this authoritarian experiment than we are. Canada has always been a little bit left, right? You guys have always been a little more socialist up there. Um, so Mickey the Fourth says, hi, long time no see, Mer my Merkins. I missed that one. Thaddeus Maximus gave us 10 bucks for no reason. Thank you. Julianne Milani gave us uh, five bucks for no reason. And Roger H gave us a thumbs up. Thank you, Roger H. Okay, I think I'm caught up to Loquacious Primate if you want to do that one, Carrie. Uh, we already you did go, that one, go right ahead. Uh, Loquacious Primate, awesome name, says, Hi, Carrie. Loved you, loved, loved you seeing you on Friday Night Tights. They say it's good to wear a lot of hats in life, but I like how Carrie uses them as weapon against her enemies. <laughs> Is it? Do you use them like the guy in that James Bond film with the hat nope. with the rim that you fling him? I don't know what that means. I don't oh. know what that means. But um, thank you, Loquacious Primate. I, I just sent you guys a clip. Uh, by the way, I think Loquacious Prime is one of the first people that hooked us up with the FNT guys. And okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, Carter, you have to put this clip up because I don't think Beverly, there's no sound when she puts clips up. Oh, okay. Is it? Uh, it's YouTube. It's, it's the really latest short. YouTube one you sent? Yeah. Oh, I see. I'm it. not giving yeah. you any, I'm not giving you any explanation. Just show this. Okay, okay. By the way, if someone asks, uh, now that the CDC guidelines are out, if someone chastises you for not wearing a mask and their answer, and you, you can say, well, the CDC says that I don't even have to wear a mask, uh, and they say to you, well, it's the rule, ask them if they speed. That's, that's going to be my, ask them if they speed. No one follows the rules all the time. We suddenly have a bunch of rule freaks who grew up in the 60s. I don't know how that happened. Okay, um, here we go. I think sound is on, and... Are you? Not to worry. I have a permit. Oh. <laughs> this just says I can do what I want. <laughs> there you go. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Gotta love Ron Swanson. Gotta love Ron Swanson. Unfortunately, people I don't think the actors like that at all in real life. But. No, but that character. People sent me that because of my vaccine paperwork that I, I told you about. Yeah. I should just Well, have... by the way, you can I'm not in telling anyone to do anything, but you can download blank PDFs that are CDC vaccination cards. I mean, they, they do exist on the internet. Right, but you could also just get one of these. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, which, which if you do in California, in you'll end up in jail. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca P says the Society of Actuaries. <laughs> Are you an actuary, Rebecca? The Society of Actuaries slogan is risk is opportunity. Life insurers lose money when people die, yet they recognize, even they recognize the upsides to risk. Yeah, 
I mean, one of my closest friends is an actuary. She's also one of the smartest people I know. She's brilliant. She's an actuary. There's no way in hell she's getting the vaccine, John. <laughs> like, she doesn't do any of this crap. Like, she's totally... She, she I, was around, most- I was around some medical professionals this weekend, and they were talking about the vaccine and, and people possibly requiring paperwork. It was a group of around 10 people. One of them, this is just an anecdote, one of them had gotten the vaccine, nine had not. And when I shared with them, I was joking, I showed, and I, I showed them my paperwork. And oh, yeah. they and then they were they said one of them said we're not getting we're not getting it either and we're all doctors and nurses if that makes you feel better and I said oh well I don't need your thank you I knew what they meant by that thank you but no it doesn't make yeah. I don't feel any way just because you agree with me but but yeah sure well I, I understand why they would say that it's good because a lot of people yeah. turn to doctors and yeah right right um, yeah. I know I know that the propaganda they've been putting out I mean we all know this. Doctors feel this way. Experts feel this way is BS. There's not one opinion on this. And it's still a, a really new vaccine. And so there's nothing. I hate the way that they've made it so uh, polarized and they've politicized it. And they've somehow made people who are doing something very normal, which is opting out or waiting to see. They've made those two groups of people who are either, they call them resistors, the resistors and the hesitant, that, that they've made those things somehow abnormal. They're not abnormal at all. That's very normal, healthy reactions. <laughs> so, you know, and, and hey, if I were in one of the high risk categories, as Carter mentioned earlier, if I had a lot of comorbidities, if I had a lot of other factors, I might have made a different choice for myself because as I weighed the risks and the rewards, I might've come to a different conclusion. So I'm not, I'm also not jumping on people who've gotten it. I don't, it's, I don't care. What I care about is that they're, they're in this, in this really gross controlling predator telling kids to get in his van. Cause he's got candy kind of way. They keep trying to push us all into just one choice. And well, and like the predator in the van, they will try and get you with free candy first. But if you resist, they will jump out of the van, grab you, and chuck oh, you yeah. in the backseat with force. So yeah. the, the donuts and beer will last for a little while. And then uh, and then they're going to escalate. By the way, did and you see the And then the chloroform. Yeah. Did you see there's a um, – where is this Bloomberg article? Let's see if I can find it. It's an opinion piece. Um, here, maybe I'll send it to – I'll start, I'll start learning to do this the right way. I'll send it to Beverly. Beverly can pull it up. It's an opinion piece. Um, and its title is, What Happens When Vaccine Incentives Aren't Enough? So this is, this, oh. it's like, um, this is all like a, like a child kidnapping and possibly murder, but you're watching it in slow motion. So you get to see the internal dialogue uh, um, in the, <laughs> the perpetrator's mind. Right. So this is the perpetrator going, the candy's not working. What do I do next? What happens when the candy doesn't lure the kids into the van? Let's look. Um, I'm just going to scroll down a little bit. Uh, The question arises of how governments push populations if or probably when hints, cash, 
free burgers, and even the prospect of international travel prove insufficient to reach herd immunity. The beginning of the next paragraph starts with, it's uncomfortable to argue for obligatory jabs. Is it uncomfortable or unconscionable? Is that a misspelling? Because that's, a, I mean, pants are uncomfortable. This, this is more than uncomfortable. It's immoral to argue for obligatory jabs. I think the word you're looking for is immoral. Um, but they say the benefit is too great and the risk and sacrifice asks of citizens too small to ignore. So by the way, I'd like to just make a uh, pause on this and make a point here. This is the problem with not having a, an individualist principles-based outlook on the world when you decide that what's good is what is good for most people, when you decide that the greater good is somehow defined by what you think is good for most people or whatever, that's when, um, that's when you start down this path that there's really no, there's really no moral argument to this. If you've already accepted that it's okay to violate individual rights a little bit, for some things, for the greater good, you can't rebuff this. I can, because I don't argue that it's okay to do that. But if you argue that it's okay for the greater good to do stuff, you can't rebut this. You can't, not not morally. You can argue, make practical arguments like it's not quite necessary and the risk is bigger than you think and it's blah, blah, blah. But you can't argue it morally. You've lost the high ground. So this is the argument they're gonna use. The benefit is too great and the risk of the sacrifice is too small to ignore. So they go on about Hong Kong and some other places that are having issues. Take University of Richmond philosopher, <laughs> great, any living philosopher, you can basically ignore it, but take University of Richmond philosopher Jessica Flanagan's comparison between vaccine refuseniks, oh my God, that's the word you coined, That was that's your attempt, refuseniks and a person firing a weapon into the air. This is the firing weapon in the air argument we just talked about would want to stop the shooter because bystanders could get hurt or killed. The same, she argues, applies to vaccinations. Okay? Wow. This doesn't have to mean compulsion, but it can. Oh, goody. And now she's going to use the argument that all you people who mock me for saying taxation is theft and say, well, you got to sacrifice a little bit of individuality for the greater good. Here goes step two. She's taken your argument for you and she's going to use it against you. Another persuasive argument from... A persuasive argument for moving up the public health ladder is made by Alberto Giublini at Oxford University, who says vaccines are like taxes. Hey, they're like taxes. Protection from a disease like COVID-19 is a collective benefit that, that creates obligations the state can extract from us. Hey, it's just a benefit that the state is extracting from us by <laughs> inserting Injecting. mRNA into your arm. Right? Wait, like taxes, is that funny? They're injecting us with something while they're also extracting something from us. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like taxes, vaccines entail a relatively small cost, prevent harm, and are roughly a fair way of distributing, fair is a great word, fair way of distributing the burden wow. of a communal responsibility. By the way, anyone whose moral arguments involve the word fair, you can just run screaming from. Um, this, of course, means obligations for the state. For shots to be mandatory, they must be free and easily accessible, blah, blah, blah. Twisting the arms of citizens works, uh, but there's another compelling reason, fairness, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not going to read this whole thing, but uh, that, that's done. We can take it off now, Beverly. But um, that is the, 
that's the argument. You're going to start to hear this kind of stuff. Um, this, and when when you have given the moral high ground away, you don't have much to go on against these kind of arguments other than getting into the nitty ditty gritty details about, you know, these are the percentages of this and the risks of that and blah, blah, blah. Those people like me who like who like sci-fi and dystopian novels and horror movies and stuff, we're we're living in one now. I mean, it's like the government saying, well, hi, we're the government. We're here to extract something from you. <laughs> it's for the public good. <laughs> Take this injection. It's necessary. compulsory. Right. It's just like taxes. I'm here to help. It's going to help everyone. This, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's it sounds dark because it is dark. It's very dark. Um, and, you know, as I said earlier, when like if we're going to be in a semi normie society and we're going to make decisions like you can't drive drunk, you can't fire guns into the air and that kind of stuff, you do have to start then you do have to start making judgment calls based on reasonableness. Right. It becomes grayer and you have to make reasonableness calls about, well, is this really putting people's life at undue risk and blah, blah, blah. Um, and. <laughs> That just exposes how vulnerable you are to the culture. If you've got a population of people who can't critical think, critically think, who are perpetual psychological victims, who have been coddled and uh, zombified and basically unable to do anything but agree with the propaganda, the, quote, reasonable conclusion that those people will come to has nothing to do with reason, and it will have everything to do with what the government and the cathedral tell them are the reasonable conclusions. And so that's why fundamentally the culture matters here because if you gotta get into those legal arguments, the reasonableness test, you know, think about going into an insane asylum and having that be the people on your jury, right? The the reasonable test doesn't work. They're not reasonable people. They have, they're They're insane. So when your peers are insane, when people around you are unreasonable, not through the same kind of insanity that I'm talking about in a mental institution, but through indoctrination uh, and just the inability to critically think. They've been brainwashed in 12 plus years of school. They've been they they get stuck in the cathedral's echo chamber. They're literally afraid to speak out on anything. By the way, when you don't speak out, eventually that starts to seep in. You start to believe the things that you're saying. They become part of the problem. They become the Borg mind. Yeah. Do you want the Borg mind judging you? Because that's what happens in this kind of a system. The Borg mind will judge you. Those 12 the people are never going to be a jury of your peers because you're in the Borg. And, and like they're not going to find 12 non-Borg members. They're going to find 12 no. Borg members to stick on there. <laughs> it's that St. It's that Anthony quote. A t- time is coming when, when men will go mad. And they will point to the man who's not mad and, and say, you're mad. You're not like one of us. I mean, that's that's right. the world we're living in now. It's up right. is down, down is, is up. you're not one of them. Yep. You're not one of them. And they, and, and they are inverting the hierarchy, like my preacher was talking about. They're invert, they are trying to invert every hierarchy. Hierarchies of merit, of, of physical strength, of what it means to be masculine, of what it means to be feminine, of... Uh, uh, intelligence of you know equality, diversity. They're cha- they're up is down, down is up for everything. 
you know? Right. And that's simply a factor. That's because they're in destructive mode. That's because they're deconstructionists at the heart, right? Yeah. They're in the nihilistic deconstruction phase still. That's the, that's the underlying philosophy. It's built on resentment and, and envy and all that kind of stuff. And so <gasps> there's a the reason destroyed. they invert hierarchies. They invert the hierarchies because they want the whole thing down. They want it torn yeah, down. They're destroyers, um, joy eaters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, someone said on one of our last videos about uh, it was a tone policing kind of to use one of their phrases. It was it was a kind of comment about how uh, lately Carrie is calling people more often than not or calling people. Uh, what was it? Craven more often mm. and evil. And I don't remember who I was talking about, as you know. You and I have had a long-standing debate. I actually don't believe people are good or evil. I think they're capable of both, but I think some people—it's just semantics. Well, I wouldn't I think disagree people, with that part. That's not right. The part we disagree I think on, people yes. live in evil, and yes, I may have used it as a descriptor for a person, but I don't usually. Anyway, my question is: Was I talking about people who are craven and evil? Because if I was, what's the problem? <laughs> like, what is the problem? Is it that you disagree? Okay, make your case then. But but we are living in a time where I, I, I am not concerned with being or seeming nice uh, to the exclusion of, of, of not being truthful. And when we're in a time when everything is being, it is like the dystopian novels we've, we've been reading. It is like 1984. They're using words to mean the opposite of what they actually mean. They're destroying meaning. They're destroying the meaning of words. So I try to do what Jordan Peterson says and be very precise with my language. When I call someone craven, I mean it. When I call them cowardly, I mean it. And I, I don't feel say like it, you've come around to my I position. I don't say it lightly. That's, <laughs> that's kind of all I've ever been saying. Some people are actually evil. Call them that. The end. Yeah, well, I don't think they are. I think they could leave they could stop being evil, but, but some people are just so far gone. They're like consumed. Yeah, I'm by not it. talking about what they could potentially do. I'm talking about what they are right, right. now. But they are evil. My, <laughs> my point about that though is more, I always want to be very careful about that Carter because they call us evil. They call and You don't want to repeat the behavior of, they of breathe someone too. You can't shun their behavior. No, just I know, but it, then right? you get you. Then people get really ca casual and callous with that word and misuse it. And you actually turn. I think you could turn people off. I'm not saying you personally. I'm saying you as in the general you, you or me. I could turn people off. I could push them further towards the thing I don't want them to be because you're then they then you're criticizing them as a person instead of their behavior. That's why it's always whenever you and I have this running long disagreement. That's why it's always been very important to me because I want people to know I separate you and who you are from your behavior. And it's just like yeah, saying, I, I agree yeah. with that. But, but I, I would say if I'm talking to someone that I'm trying to convert, I wouldn't call them evil because that's counterproductive. Mm -hmm. Um, and I might say what they're doing is wrong, but right. generally I don't call people evil that I'm trying to convert. I'm calling people evil. Like, uh, Let's just pick on Robin D'Angelo. Like, I'm not trying to convert her. She's evil. I'm done. Like, <laughs> you should see her as evil. Like, I, I don't need to really go into any details. If you want to understand why she's evil, I guess I could explain. But people need to see that there are bad people out there. They need to, like, could she have a cathartic moment and turn around and not be evil in 10 years? She could.
Sure. And I would say at that point, you used to be evil. Now you're not. Welcome. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. But I'm not trying to convince her. I think it's very unlikely with her and she's not my she's not my the target of the argument. But but yeah. I think the problem with being hesitant to condemn um is that there are things worthy of condemnation and there are things worthy of praise. And I, 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 while I don't want to be throwing praise around, I also don't want to be throwing condemnation around on personal, personal levels. But they, but those things, you know, I don't want to never do it. They do exist. And I think it's hard to win. It's hard to win the hearts and minds of people by telling them I'm, I don't have any moral conviction enough to ever say anyone's evil. It's like, well, then what are you yeah. like? Can you ever say anyone's good? Like, what are you like? How wishy washy are you? Like, well, in fact, no. I wrote, remember I we wrote a piece that. No, remember I wrote a piece that said I'm not a good person, and neither are you, and it was about this very subject. <laughs> so you know, so sure, but you didn't say that you were evil, which I don't think you should because you're not right. So here's a verse I was thinking about a lot this weekend. This is this is uh, from the Bible. For anyone who's going to be triggered, there's not many in our audience who are triggered. Uh, most of the atheists here are very tolerant. Woe to the call evil yeah. good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's where we're at right now. That's what's happening right now all around us. Mm-hmm. Up is down, down is up. Evil's good, good's evil. Sweet's bitter, bitter sweet. Light for darkness, darkness for light. I think that's, I think that we're at one of the most upside down periods of history we've maybe been through as a people, as a race. I'm not enough of a historian to know, but certainly in my lifetime, absolutely. And in in recent history, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, That's pretty crazy. Human race. All right. That's what I meant. (laughs) Anyway. Oh yeah. Wow. I didn't even think that that could be taken any other way. Um, yeah, let's do some super chats. <laughs> when things are looking down, yeah. turn, turn that super chats. frown yeah, around. Guys, the super chats super are chats. Our spiritual yeah, <laughs> fodder. Please give us some super chats to make us feel better. Um, say funny things in them. Um, all right. Cheeky Mayor says over 10,000 people die from slips and falls in their house. Bubble wrap the walls. 100,000 people die from medical errors. Don't go to the doctor. Right. That's exactly, exactly the, uh, the idea. Where did Carrie go? Well, well, Carrie Avatar, I'm going to continue to do super chats, and I hope you return. Uh, I'll Fight You Naked says, did you see Brett and Heather's talk on Ivrisor Meisten? Meisten. I can never pronounce that. Uh, that COVID drug thing. No, uh, I did not see their talk on it. Um, and frankly, I'm still kind of not convinced that hydroxychloroquine and zinc are not a good way to go. I'm not saying, Susan, that people should do that. I'm just saying I didn't do any more. Uh, I didn't really do any further research on it. I know it got vilified um, politically and criticized because there wasn't double blind blah, blah, blah studies for which there's not for basically anything we're doing with COVID right now. Um but I do see that there are some doctors still pushing that stuff, and you can you can get it. I don't know if it works. Uh, Punk Bottle says, "Die young and make a pretty corpse." It's a that's a quote. 
Uh, and then it says, comedy may be dying, but I would still rather enjoy the life I want to live and accept the path it takes me. Good for you. Yeah. There's a difference between uh, living and surviving. And surviving sometimes isn't worth it. Jeanette W. says, uh, I know a lot of doctors and nurses who are not getting the shot. Out of 72 nurses on one floor of our local hospital, eight have taken it. Wow. How come I don't see that kind of stuff in the news? Well, never mind. I know the answer to that question. Uh, but, wow. Okay. That's Zato the Army, says, too. The Army's not oh, taking it either. There she is. The, if you look at the, the rates in the Army as well, it's a lot of people who are not getting it. Did you see the video of the Marines who they, they went around and interviewed the Marines about the vaccine? And they were they just were all, hell no, all, no, yeah. no, hell no. What the hell? I'm not taking it back. Like, no, no. Of, of that's why they have to replace it with that girl in the cartoon. They have to put some more girls in the cartoon in there. Yeah. Are you the sure ad. that might've been, uh, are you using the right pronouns? Did the cartoon introduce her pronouns? Oh my um, goodness. Zato says, trust the science. No, 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 not that science. Our science. Also, this is a reminder to finish reading beyond order. Thank you, Zato. I haven't even started it. Cheeky uh, Mayor, I'd just like to apologize. I didn't leave because of your super chat. I just had to leave for a quick second. Thank you for your super chat. That's all. <laughs> John Martin says, good, because she was she was getting suicidal in the regular chat. I don't know. She so. said something. Oh, okay. John Martin says, I'm waiting on the vaccine until they offer a free Tesla for getting the shot. Yeah, you know, that my, my risk-reward calculation might tip to the side of vaccine if they start throwing in free Teslas, John Martin. I'm with you. Um, I look, if you give me 20 Bitcoin, I still won't take it. <laughs> there you go. Really? I still won't take it. Yeah. I feel like least, 20 Bitcoin could cover my medical bills. For yeah, but at least you'd get my attention. <laughs> but it's a matter of principle. At least I'd, yeah. at least I'd respect, at least I'd respect you more than, than with the French fry, the, 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 de Blasio stuff in his face with French fries. It's so gross and so insulting that you think you that. can, what happened? He stuffed you, his face. You know, that video where he was eating fries and stuff. Oh, you didn't see this Carter. <laughs> things I miss from being not on social okay, media. Okay, You finished reading super chats. I'm going to send you this because this is <laughs> oh, gross. God. <laughs> Wait, do we have to see it? Is it so gross yes. that we would ban you from Telegram normally for no. posting it? Okay. No. <laughs> um, Punk Waddle says, reasonable is a terrible litmus test. Yeah, but it it is, yes, but it is the only litmus test we have in the courts for a lot of things, right? Like a lot of things come down to reasonable, beyond a reasonable doubt, right? The reasonable is is something that we have to deal with. Um, in in society, so it may suck, but therein, what your point actually is like, therein lies the problem with not focusing on culture and letting culture go to shit, because the definition of that word, which a lot hinges on, uh, it's one of these key words that a lot of hinges on in society, that definition changes with crazy people running, running the world. Uh, all right, Carrie, I see this thing. Is it the YouTube one? Yes. Those of you who Am know I gonna what's hate coming, you after this? we get to enjoy Carter's reaction. <laughs> <sighs> this, if this right. doesn't make you want to get the vaccine, I don't, I don't know what will. <laughs> I mean, this is some quality propaganda. 
All right, hold on here. Let me, uh, this, pull it up. All right, here we go, de Blasio. Um, I got vaccinated. You're saying Ew. I can get this? What the fuck? What? delicious fries. I don't. Wait, Matt. What the fuck so is there's this? There's also a, a burger element to this. Did he not have time for lunch? Is he that me, busy? He has to do no, he's advertising. Is it advertising too early in the day to eat a burger? Can you not eat on a conference breakfast. call, dude? Okay. No, Carter. I want you to look at this and think about. He's them. advertising the free meal you get. Some people love hamburgers. Some don't really want to respect. Oh, this all is the free meal you get. Ways of life, but if this is appealing to you, just think of this when you think of vaccination. Oh, mm. I'm never getting vaccinated. Oh, that didn't have the opposite effect. Mm. <laughs> okay. I'm getting a very good feeling. Oh my god! Can about vaccination right this moment. Isn't uh, that well, gross? Um, excuse me while I wash my eyeballs up. With <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> Wait, um, this is not a super chat, but Punk Waddle says, "Is this a commercial for socialism?" <laughs> <laughs> You know what? We're going to see a video like that in the future that has that it will be a bug burger. This is I'm predicting it now. Someone like the Blasio will get up and they'll be eating a burger made out of bugs and they'll be going, mm, mm, I'm helping the environment. Mm, don't you want to do that? And they're going to think that it's uh, they're selling mm, delicious you on socialism. <laughs> so gross. Do you see what I mean? This is what you said about they're treating us like we're Homer Simpson if they give us free French fries and a beer that will that's that's a carrot. This is the carrot. I have to watch this gross guy eat and make gross eating sounds. I don't I don't want people I love to make gross eating sounds next to me, much less listen to gross eating sounds from the mayor. It's what? It's give me heebie jeebies. Is there a whole like disgusting ASMR fetish, like disgusting sounds oh. ASMR? I'm sure there is. Maybe he's maybe that's what he'll do after he's done being whatever the hell is he the mayor? I don't know what he is. Oh, gross. Um, anyway, maybe he's gonna go into he's gonna get a Pornhub channel, <laughs> eating doing ASMR sounds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the best part about that is that they thought that was a good idea and he thought this was like enticing yeah i mean yeah, that's people, the, I look, just, i'm not the only one look in the chat They're, they said that's disgusting yes they thought that was disgusting. gonna they thought people were gonna watch that and go hmm mm, let me I'm get on that vaccine train <laughs> what <laughs> if i ran in and out i would be giving free burgers to people who could prove they've never been vaccinated i just want to be clear <sighs> You know when I used to eat blueberries on during Kefefe and somebody in the comments said, I don't want to watch Carrie eat blueberries. And even though I ate the blueberries quietly and didn't make disgusting noises like that, I understood what they meant. And I said, you're right. I'm going to try and refrain from eating blueberries on screen. <laughs> There's something so just, I think it's a universal human disgust factor when you could hear all that chewing and mastication. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't like the. What's the word? Did you just for... use the word mastication? <laughs> yes. Isn't that it? We're Isn't so our... sophisticated. Yeah, no, that's the correct word. It's just funny. Yeah. To me. <laughs> Keep your mastif- mastication sounds to yourself. Sir. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<sighs> up is down, right. down is up. That's why they thought that would be appealing. They said, you know what would really work? Let's do this gross ad. Hey, maybe you can give away suppositories and show us that. On- All right, never mind. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry that you have to follow this, Pirate Tomsky, but you are. Thank you for the super chat. Pirate Tomsky says, this is about control. Vaccines are about protecting yourself from a virus, not other people. If you feel at risk, take the vax and forget other people. Yeah, although they've turned the vaccines into protecting. It's your your obligation to protect everyone else, right? Um, and there always has been an element of that to vaccines. That's why a lot of times you can't send your kids to school without mumps and rubella and whatever vaccinations. Um, so. Uh, Finest City Cycling says... Wait, I'll read this. It says, de Blasio video. Ew, gross. Trigger warning, please, for us headphone users. <laughs> what? <laughs> Finest Cycling, that didn't make you want to go out and get a shot? It, I mean, it had the <laughs> opposite effect? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only if I can sit across from de Blasio and watch him eat burgers. Patriotic Gestalt says they prefer you driven mad than admit they're crazy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um... Mickey the Fourth says, reasonable isn't a problem as long as one has a homogenous culture. Cultural intolerance is the only way to keep reasonableness reasonable. That is true if you, I agree with that, if you're uh, referring to the aspects of culture that um, are ethical standards that matter, right? Which is, um, which I've, we've talked about before, but I think the word culture is kind of overused and there's really, there's the, there's the part of culture that fits into ethics that matter. And then there's the parts of culture that don't like, you know, whether falafels are part of the food, that's not a thing. Um, mm-hmm. But whether you stone people who commit adultery, that is part of a thing, right? So, like, those are those are both cultural things. One of them is a moral thing. One of them is amoral. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. And but you've been if you say now that you care about culture, Western culture, that's used to. Um, that's used as evidence that you're some kind of a white supremacist person because they they say well what well, you're being xenophobic what you mean when you say that is you don't like brown people when that's not what you mean what you mean is uh you want to have the individualist uh ideals and the individualist ethic that built america uh as the default and standard and the norm so that when you face a peer uh, a jury of your peers or just people in the voting booth um you know, you're all making similar claims to reasonableness. Uh, okay. Fine. Uh, oh, you did that Mickey one. Mayor, uh, Chiki Mayor says yep. there's a person at church selling Vax Pride lanyards. Ooh. <laughs> He's going around to local businesses getting discount codes for people who have the jab. Okay. That's one way to spend your time, I guess. It's like we're all living on the wrong side of airport security now. <laughs> what the hell? Two <laughs> A self defense law. Thank you for the super chat. Retracted his message, so we'll not be reading it. And Dave Omer, oh. thank you, sir. Says Pennsylvania is mask free for vaccinated people only. I lived the lie all day. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it's not a lie. Or do you have do you have any other vaccines? They didn't ask which vaccine, right? I have several. I've had several vaccines, so I am vaccinated. Yeah. Against typhoid. That was my most mm-hmm. recent one. Um, let's see. I'll fight you naked says 
de Blasio's chewing sounds like a face hugger egg moving through the queen alien's body. Ooh! (laughs) 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 Alien 6 is going to use that soundtrack for some stuff. I don't know. That's it. Or 5. I don't know what aliens were on. Adam Coleman. Hello, sir. Adam Coleman says, eight months ago, the Democrats were publicly saying that they wouldn't trust getting the poke. Politics thrive off of short-term memories. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. it depends on who's president, right? I guess that's for a lot of them. And then Marie there's, Busby, uh, there's this Gelman syndrome, which is worth pointing out to people, because if, if you don't know about Gelman, I think it's syndrome, Gelman effect, whatever it is, uh, it's when you, you read something in the news uh, this first happened to me when I was in in the crypto world, and there was a Wall Street Journal reporter who was a nice guy, and he wrote a story. He, we would have lunch once in a while, and like I would just give him some info on what was happening in the crypto world. And I remember reading a story that he wrote about uh, some big brouhaha that was involving some movie studios and some some security stuff. And um, I remember reading it and going, "Oh, like this is wrong. This is like this is just." wrong mm-hmm. like they like some of the facts were correct but how they pieced together totally wrong other facts just missing like important points just gone like it was just and he was a good he was good like he did his job as well as he could but like he wasn't in it he didn't get it he didn't know oh alan what's his name from warner brothers is doing this and he works for chris and chris doesn't like that and they're really going to make this they're doing a backdoor deal with sony and no one knows like he doesn't get he's not in it which is fine right but you read the article and you're like oh he's wrong <laughs> Like, he's just wrong. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, you open up the newspaper and you read an article about something you don't know. And you assume it's right. That's the Gelman effect. (laughs) Where it's like, Uh, oh, I knew it was wrong. And I totally forgot that that thing that I knew, like, they were bad in this thing. But now when I open the paper and read about, you know, whatever it is, the motor vehicles, I assume that they're correct when they're talking about the car industry. They're just as wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, And I guess a version, a variant of it is the time lapse where like, oh, I I was we they said this six months ago. We totally forgot that this was what the paper pushed six months ago. Now the paper is pushing this other thing. And we just it's the memory hole from 1984. Yeah. Um, All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you're fine. Marie Buskey gives us a super chat for the swelter swear jar and says no more ducking fries. Thank you, Marie. (laughs) And Thanks Philip Dinnick says the Beijing Olympics will make all U.S. attendees submit to the anal COVID test, even if they have vaccine paperwork. What? Ew. Maybe they're planting a bug. Who knows? Today's the day of ooze. Uh, Loquacious primate. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Says Ari, classical Marxism. I think there's some insight you can gain without embracing it but only if you understand capitalism on its own terms first. I think you're probably right. I think there is insight you can gain. And uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, as a free market capitalist, even I would agree that you could gain some insight from reading critiques, but you do have to understand capitalism on its own terms. Um, and I, th- I think the capitalist argument that the good is what wins in the market is just wrong. What wins in the market is the popular, um, and that's a distinction that matters quite often. Um, oh, also, this Chris is not Rigori, a, Did you see that one? No, but I want to read this from Marby Dog. This is a comment. It's, it's not a super chat, but it caught my eye. 
Marby Dog says, our culture has become an absence of culture. That's interesting. My, my preacher calls it an anti-culture. Mm. He says, culture is about building things and creating things. And what has currently seized us is this, this anti-culture about tearing down things and destroying and inverting hierarchies. And that's very interesting right. you called it that. And that's what deconstructionism is about. And you can invert the those hierarchies in culture as well. Um, you elevate the meaningless and you denigrate the meaningful. Um, you have more and more, uh, you know, worthless. I mean, just look at sex. We have way more sex that's way less meaningful. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so uh, one, the one we missed, Christopher Gorey says, has anyone else noticed so many of these, quote, anti-racism measures are segregationist and against everything MLK fought against? Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people have noticed. By design. Yeah. They, they are, this is a racist belief system and they do believe in it's, it's as if, uh, it's like, it's like the devil found a new way to sell us the same old racism to sell it as the opposite of itself. Oh, it's not racism. It's anti-racism. Hey, it's the same old thing in here. When you get it home and you unwrap the package, it's just racism. But it said on the box that it was anti-racism. Well, it's just racism. It's like separate everybody by race. Judge them and treat them differently on the basis of race. Assign uh, intent and moral values to them on the basis of race. Discriminate on what they can do. Change the laws and, and give them different opportunities based on race. What's the same old racism in this box? Yeah, that's what it is. But it is. If you, I started thinking about that the other day. It's a... It's like it's just it's like they found a new way to sell us the same old crap. We were reaching a point in society where individualism was winning out and beating back some of this collectivism and conquering some of this collectivism. And we had we had started to progress. And in no, but areas. we had and we had in certain ways in, in some. Areas, and yeah. and so then it's it, and so then how do they how do they get us? How do the forces of evil However you, however you choose to, to interpret what I mean by that. How does that, how do they get us back on the racism track again? Well, let's put a, put it in a shiny new box and let's call it anti-racism. Right. Same old thing. Right. And as Yuri Bezmenov would, would tell you, this isn't, it's actually not even about race. It's not even about gender. None of it is about any of this. It's about destroying the system. It's about power. It's about it's about an actual overturning of the system. And I think yeah. they're going for soft revolution right now. And I think they're going to get it. Um, I think it's, I think it's a soft revolution, right? They'll, you know, before your kids are, before your kids have kids or then the next, next generation, within the next generation, I think I would not be surprised if they proposed and Congress even passed uh, removing one of the bills of rights, probably the second amendment. Yeah. Daniel Keene says, and I forget, I forget who said this quote. I think it's been misattributed a few times, but anyway, he quotes this, this quote that some of you may have heard. If fascism ever comes to the USA, it'll be under the name anti-fascism. That's a very old quote. And look at, yeah. look at what's happening right now. Look at what Antifa calls themselves. Antifa, they behave like right. fascists. They call themselves Right. The racists call themselves anti-racist. The fascists yes. call themselves anti-fascist. Anti-fascist. Uh, is there another one we can think of? Black Lives Matter. Uh, they don't care about black lives. They're not doing anything yeah, to help black lives. Anti something. I yeah. can't think of another name that's anti-whatever. 
Feminists uh, say they care about women. I no longer believe that to be true. Maybe the no. feminists of old, but not the current feminists. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you don't even count TERFs as current yeah. feminists anymore, which they're kind of not, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we're caught up on Super Chats, though, right? Yep. Yeah. We are. You guys. That was tiring. That was long. Let's I don't share know why. some joy. I shared something not joyful with you. Actually, let's look at this real quick, and then I want to share okay. some, some joy. This is a uh, – there have been numerous, numerous – I, I, I could pull if, – if we spent a day and prepared, you could pull 100 of these to show. This is not new. This is the product of so-called oh, anti-racism. This is the product of critical race theory, which is a racist evil. Hello, triggered person in the comments from last week. I use the word evil. It is evil. <laughs> this is an evil belief system, critical race theory. And these are the fruits of it. This is a video of a new mom, a white woke mom it's, who's who's been indoctrinated into this belief system. And we're going to listen to what she has to say about being a mom and her baby. I already didn't watch this and I'm already, I'm already, my heart's already breaking for this kid. Okay. Hi there. My name is Sarah. This little cutie is my son, Bennett. As you can see, my son is a white male. So here are some books that I bought to help prevent him from growing up to be awful. Starting out strong, we have C. Message to the husband really quickly. Uh, I do not support divorce generally. Get out. We don't even this have to watch the rest of this. Uh, you can stop it here. So she goes on to show a bunch of woke, awful books that for babies. I, I actually, I was surprised. I'll play it without that, sound here. Uh, uh, yeah, I was surprised that Ibram X. Kendi's uh, anti-racist baby wasn't in this list, but she's got C's for consent. All these books are basically about how uh, boys are bad and need to be trained in a special different way from girls and white people are bad and need to be trained in a special different way. And I was just thinking, what? imagine having a mother who, from the moment you were born, thought that there was something innately awful about you. That's her word, awful, because you're white mm -hmm. and male. And a mother so thoroughly racist and sexist that she couldn't look at you without seeing something awful and thought that you needed special instruction. And I realized Josh Slocum from the Disaffected podcast, he talks a lot about cluster B moms and he 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 does a lot of fun um, he takes it back to pop culture and he talks about Carrie's mom, which that movie also made a big impact on me when I was What's young. Carrie's mom. I don't know. Oh, Carrie, the movie Carrie. Stephen oh, the King. movie Carrie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This, and, yeah. I, and then it occurred to me that this is Carrie's mom, but updated for the year 2021. Carrie's mom looked at her daughter and saw evil and saw something mm -hmm. dirty and and abused her. And you know, this is Carrie's mom, but updated for 2021. It's like. Look at my shameful, dirty, awful, white male child. Well, let's who, hope that kid can set yeah. things on fire with his mind. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> That's a different movie, but okay. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie did that. That was Firestarter. No, Carrie set in the gym, in the high school gym. She set it on fire and they poured pig plug on her head and set it on fire. Yeah, but I don't – how did she set it on fire? Was It with wasn't pyrokinesis, was it? Yeah. It was, it was with something else. Oh. Maybe I need no, to No, I think she used her. I mean, correct me in super chat. It's been a while, guys. If I'm wrong, tell me. Uh, yeah, I'll. Can I just? This is also just a message to the young men out there. Uh, 
you've got to have a very low self-esteem to to settle down with that woman. This is the I mean, I someone says not carry Firestarter. I, yeah, maybe it was fires- in Firestarter too, but someone else says yes, pyrokinesis. Carter's right. Yeah. Carrie did it with pyrokinesis. I, I, yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to argue I'm right. Yeah, guys, guys, like this is the problem with, um, you know, you've seen these articles. You've seen these articles about saying that, that the, the alt-right men, the white supremacist men are starting to have Asian girlfriends and wives. Um, and they, they view it as like some fetish thing or I don't know how it's white supremacist to have a non-white spouse but whatever but that's what is, they've decided right but i'll t- i'll t- i mean I'll, I'll be very honest with you guys um my wife grew up in china now she's in the millennial age she should act like a millennial in the u.s and if she acted like a millennial in the u.s we would not be married her culture's different like and it's not the tra- you know i'm not saying it's this stupid subservient like traditional chinese she's like she is well-educated. She came here and, you know, went to graduate school here and stuff. And she's, you know, probably a little bit, uh, she's probably one of the strongest people I know. Um, but she has not a lick of this hatred for men. She stands up for women. She like has a, cause she's a woman who runs a business and in the Chinese community, there is still a lot of like anti-female stuff from a lot of the older guys in China. So she gets, she gets that and she's got a, a strong, you know, I would say second wave, maybe feminism, first wave feminism, mm-hmm. whatever. Like she's got that kind of old school feminist streak, which is deserved if you're dealing with Chinese businessmen. But she doesn't she's not infected by any of this crap. And a message to the young ladies out there. No good man will want you if this is your attitude, you will never find a good Husband, you won't find a good man. No good man wants this kind of crap. He'll, he'll, he'll mail order a bride from Russia and teach her English if he has to, so he doesn't have to deal with this crap. They don't, no one wants this crap. No one with self-esteem gets into a relationship with someone who views their being as bad. Yeah. Can you imagine, can you imagine if you're, and you're about, Carrie's we got to get married. Can you imagine if her husband was like, White women suck. They're innately evil. I don't think her love for him would be the same as it is. I don't well, think she would be considered marrying him. Actually, well, I wouldn't, but plenty do. Because here's here's what happens is sure. you get people who, for whatever reason, are are more easily seduced into an abusive relationship like that. That I have seen these cucked, subservient soulless eyes looking men with these mega mega b word sjws (laughs) and but they're not no one's happy in that relationship no no but they but but it's weird because some people they find those people and they it's it's like the abuser finds the abuse and it's the same thing when you if you think of the stereotype of the the woman who keeps getting in relationships with abusive men and 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 I think of that the same as I do these men who are married to these mega bees, these, uh, you know, SJWs. It's, it's because there, there's some, 
probably maybe something in their childhood that they haven't resolved yet or they're trying to work out or they're repeating the same trauma over and over by marrying someone so controlling and abusive that they give up all of their personality and, you know, all of their free will and just become this doormat. But I've seen them. And, and oh, yeah. uh, no, I would not be with someone and I would not want any, if I were like that, can you, I, you have to, again, you have to be, you have to be designed for that kind of broken relationship. <laughs> like, uh, and, and no, I don't think those people are genuinely, I don't think they experience genuine joy thing approximating it. Sometimes they seem to get off on a, they also seem to be the type of people who get off on, on um, illusions like the illusion that if Facebook they're successful, can provide you. Yeah. Yeah. If they're successful, they're like the people in House of Cards. They, they're they yes. wallowing in a love for a particular evil together. Yes. Um, or like whatever. They're like, they're like, yeah, yeah Trump sucks, doesn't he? Like that's their, that's right. the spark in their relationship. And sometimes those kind of husbands end up snapping and killing their whole family. And the women who watch our show who also watch a lot of true crime like I do – can think immediately of many examples of that. <laughs> not not to excuse those husbands of blame. They're psychopaths. But but it's, it's sometimes those messed up relationships where I think you've got a little bit of what what Josh B talks about all the time, or Josh Slocum talks about all the time, the cluster B personality disorders. You've got a little bit of both. And then one of those just snaps and does something that to the outside world, we're like, oh, they look so happy on Facebook. And, you know, it was, she was always ordering him around and he was there dutifully in all the photos and being the doormat. And they just, he looked so happy to be doing that. And then one day he like killed all of them. Well, most, <laughs> most, uh, I think all, most serial killers have moms who are yeah. vicious to them in one way or another, uh, either, either, uh, usually some form of rejection. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's just, that's just, well, I think that's pretty well known and documented. Um, so if you want to raise a serial killer, be this lady. Uh, but all right, let's do some super chats. That was G man says, I remember the good old days when the only abuse we had to worry about was the occasional smack with a belt. Yeah, really? I mean, I'm not a fan of that either, but, uh, that's, I would prefer that to this. Right. Like I, I got hit as a kid, but, um, <laughs> I guess I had a little bit of this as a kid, but not like this. Like, can you imagine there's a difference between being hit because they think that it's their only disciplinary tool, which again, I don't agree with. Um, and, and basically just being detested is your, your being, there's no cure. This kid's never, he can't cure his white maleness. Although when he hits junior high school, he may try to cure his maleness. For her. Um, the Gentleman Warfighter says, love death and robots, quotes. Why have kids? Quote, because I'm not so in love with myself that I want to live forever. Kids make everything new with their eyes so bright and full of life. Half my bucks. Thank you, Gentleman Warfighter. I agree. I love having kids around. Kids are, you know what's great about kids? They are the most rational subset of beings on the planet. And I know a lot of people are going to say, that's crazy. Kids have temper tantrums and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They don't have context of knowledge. They're learning to deal with emotions and a whole bunch of other stuff. There's a lot going on for them, but fundamentally they kids truly believe that the world ought to make sense and that they can feel capable of figuring it out. 
And you have to beat that out of them. Usually public school helps quite a lot um, before they before they come to the conclusion that actually the world doesn't make sense and they are incapable of figuring it out. So they need to just suck on the teat of some official. Uh, Ken Lipson writes, Carter gets the super chat for the I hope that kid sets fires with his mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you, Ken. By the way, Lucas? somebody clarified yeah. that Carrie started the in the movie Carrie started those fires through telekinesis, started them to happen, but she did not possess pyrokinesis. Okay, but she started the fires. Oh, she did. Right. She like did she knock something over or something? Probably, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So I'll, so. I'll be corrected on that. No pyrokinesis, only telekinesis. Close. All right. Anyway. A kinesis was involved. Um, <laughs> look uh, by the way, I was <laughs> so looking sorry. up, I was looking up, uh, I was getting these two guys confused because they're both named Ed. But when I was talking about true crime aficionados who, who you, several examples will come to mind of serial killers who had overbearing mothers. One is Ed, Ed Kemper, Kemper, but yeah, mm -hmm. you knew that one. But do you remember, do you know about Edward Gein? Ed Gein? I don't know Ed Gein, no. That's a much older one. He's 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 the guy. You know, you know what the book and the movie Psycho were based on him. Uh, the movie Texas Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Norman, Norman was based Bates on, was based on him. him. Oh wow! Yeah, and and their face. Uh, there was a lot of pop culture stories based on that case, and that was that's also one where anyway you should look that one up. It's it's creepy and gruesome. But, but he has a rejecting mom and for all anybody that stuff, who's like that. He had a uh, very religious, he had a Carrie's mom. He had a very religious, exacting, overbearing mom who preached about, you know, the body being immoral and, and you know, uh, uh, that he was dirty and sinful and all that stuff. Wow. And, and when she Thanks, died, mom. he kept he kept her rooms pristine. He locked up her rooms and left them exactly the way they were. And the rest of the house became decrepit and decayed. And then he started digging up corpses that were that were around the same age as his mom, and bringing them into the house and and stuff. And he he was just really like a lot of it came from his dysfunctional relationship with his parent. <clears throat> Damn. All right. And uh, next up in the super chats. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, here's a, and here's a funny super chat. <laughs> We need better segues. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> how do you? I need to. I need to find out how to segue from burying up corpses that are the age of his mom to. I stand by the crucial importance of Carrie's hats, which is Loquace's primates. Uh, thank, super you. Chat. <laughs> thank you. Thank uh, you. Uh, Ken Lipson says, Carrie, there better be cake at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, there. I heard there is cake. Duck soup. Yeah. Duck soup is what cake. they called it in the 20s. They called cake duck soup? Mm-hmm. Wow. How come you, know, you have such a good 20s vocabulary? <laughs> You're in the wrong century. <laughs> or the right, right one. I think we got through them. Uh Okay. Oh God! Someone said something else about Ed Gain that I don't want to know. Oh yeah. Uh, he made furniture. He did. Out of their he made lots hands. of furniture out of human skin. That's why he that Leatherface was sort of loosely based on him. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> anyway. 
I don't know that there's <clears throat> anything else to say. Um, uh, thank you guys for hanging out with us. Yeah. <laughs> we I think, had already I think we could end on this note, unless you have something. I do. You know. Hilarious. I want to end on reading a review. Now, you guys, if you want to help us out with the show, it costs money to produce the show. You can support us financially. Super chats always help. Or you can be a subscriber. If you go to unsafespace.com, go to the donut page. There's lots of options. If you can't do that, no worries. You can always share the video and hit like and tell people about it. Or you can give give us a review. So on iTunes, there are some people who just listen to the show. And we thank you guys. Um, I'm going to start reading some of the iTunes reviews to encourage more reviews. Let's see. Here's one. Um, Now, I've been reading the five-star reviews. Today, I'm going to read a one-star review. This is from Ha Ha Ho, He He He, He He Ha Ha. And the review is titled, A View from an Entitled Mediocre, and then it gets cut off, so I can't see the rest. One star. (laughs) And the review says, I don't know. Suspense. I don't know what the how it ends. Anyway, the review is there is no scientific academic ground to this person's arguments, just full of entitlement and how his feelings have been hurt as a white person. The level of mediocrity amazes me. I think that one's about you, but they're assuming your gender, which is, is funny. What what episode was it? Oh, I, it, it's not about an episode. They left the review in March but it could have been about anything. Oh, so you don't even know what I'm talking about. No, they're just, that's an overall review of unsafe space. (laughs) Anyway. Well, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know me, entitled and mediocre. So. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to do one positive one. This is from Betsy Bo Peep. Thank you, Betsy. Betsy says, believe it or not, gave us five stars and says, what a breath of fresh air. She had the opposite opinion. She How says, entitled and mediocre. I love it. <laughs> Five stars. Five stars. She says, I found these guys through the SJW attacks on knitters on Instagram. The SJW bullies made me feel isolated and afraid. I was afraid to post pictures or to like knitting posts. And then I found Carter and Carrie. Thank you guys for reassuring me that there are still reasonable people in the world. And the SJWs are cultish and thought policing bullies. You have given me new defenses and how to deal with these mob attacks. Bravo. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, I've uh, a lot of the uh, <laughs> a lot of times I just like I I really try and avoid looking at comments sometimes because they uh, sometimes I'll just be in a mood and they just really piss me off. There was a comment on Friday that just really pissed me off, and the guy later apologized and said he was high. So I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I guess um, maybe don't comment when you're high. Yeah, like yeah. So the, the, I, the word entitled actually. Um, hold on. I'm going to quote a book. I happen to have it here. Hold on. Uh, because it really. This really resonated with me. Um, I don't think I've quoted this before. This is a book. This is actually called How to Read a Book. Um but it's about critical thinking, basically it's about reading critically, and um, this guy—it's by this guy uh, Mortimer Adler—and he's talking about after you've read someone's argument. This would apply to listening to as well. 
your first responsibility being to understand and blah, blah, blah. And you can't really argue. If you don't understand, you need to keep your mouth shut because you don't understand, right? You can't, you're not allowed to pass. But he, he writes this, which I think is something that everyone on the internet needs to hear. Probably we need to hear it as well. But before we, he, I'm going to just read this. One thing should be observed. Since you have, since you have said you understand, this is after you've understood, your failure to support any of these first three remarks, this is, it doesn't matter, um, obligates you to agree with the author as far as he has gone. So the first three remarks were like, if he didn't make an error in judgment or misinformation or whatever, like, you know, you couldn't refute it on basically actual arguments, right? Um, if, if you, um, since you said you understand, and you couldn't point to a logical fallacy or wrong information or he didn't go far enough because he didn't have all the information. If you can't do that, it says, this obligates you to agree with the author as far as he has gone. You have no freedom of will about this. It is not your sacred privilege to decide whether you are going to agree or disagree. It's not. And so many people with, with kind of entitled, they have this entitled attitude that you and I will make an argument. I'm sure there's holes in the argument. In fact, I know there are often because we don't, these aren't, you know, we don't lay out logical proofs. Some people that disagree in YouTube comments point out where we're wrong. Hey, you didn't know this. This was wrong. You made him this. This is a logical error. You can't say that because of that. That's all fine. But a lot of people, their comment is you're wrong and I disagree. To me, Nothing makes you look like a bigger retard than that comment. That's not an argument. I don't care that you disagree. I care about the guy who says you're wrong because X, Y, Z, blah, blah, this is the error you made. This is, the, this is the information you didn't have. This is where you got this fact wrong. That's helpful. I don't agree. I don't care. I don't fucking care that you don't agree. You're a moron. Morons don't have arguments. Have an argument. If you don't have an argument... I don't care. I don't care. It's like a kid coming in like, you know, I made a poopy in my pants. Great. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, like when you're just announcing everything. I don't agree. Just coming through the room to tell you I don't agree. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> I mean, at least, I mean, you know, some of them aren't as dumb to write like, I feel this way. That's like a tell the like, like, I'm sorry you feel that way, but that's irrelevant. Um, but it's the ones that are kind of like, they'll be condescending and entitled and, but like, there's literally no argumentation at all. So I've kind of gotten over it. I still get angry sometimes. So I just don't look at YouTube <laughs> comments normally just so I don't get pissed off. But, um, <laughs> I've, it has helped me and just like learn to just like, oh, another moron. Once in a while I take the bait and yell at them, but. I think things like that actually are very helpful in how hel in helping us as as humans root out the things ab about ourselves that are not very helpful or that are negative. Sorry, Pyrotomsky super yeah, chat and said Carter, I don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> but but because a lot of times there's an Eckhart Tolle quote about how what you respond to in another you strengthen in yourself and and that's not always true. I, but sometimes I think of that and I think Oh yeah, you know, I see this a lot in unconscious people where they will be projecting and they'll be really viscerally seeing something in another person that they can't see in themselves. I'm not saying this is about you at all. I'm just saying for anybody. No, I think it can be true for all of us though. It can be true. And as you start to notice those things and if you notice 
oh, I don't like when such so-and-so comments and says they disagree with me and they never give reasons why or they never offer argumentation. Well, do you do that ever? Because if you do, stop doing it. If you want to if you want to see a certain behavior reflected from other people, then you need to change your own behavior. And again, I'm not talking to you. I'm using that as a stepping off point for something I that I, I yeah. did in myself. You know, I started to notice things in other people and then and then I could see some of that in myself. And so I started trying to change my own behavior because that's all you have control over anyway. You know, yeah. and then you and then you find well, hey, I'm less of a hypocrite when I expect it of others because I do it myself now. So, yeah. you know, if I, I expect you to make an argument because I'll make one, you know, yeah. or I expect you not to name call because I'm not going to name call, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, sometimes it is easier to see problems in other people that you have yourself, but you don't. Yeah, like, but you don't want to look like at that, that totally. Yeah. By the way, someone pointed this out. Uh, Something about I don't see the actual chat, but it's give us break. We have uh, limited characters. Um, yeah, I'm actually not talking about the chat. I don't care when people are like I agree or disagree in chat because I it's like a real time conversation. You're not expected to lay out your whole argument in the chat anyway, and you're just kind of chatting. I, half the time, I don't even know if you're talking to someone else in chat or Carrie or me or Beverly or who knows. Um, He's talking about the, the long YouTube comments. comments where you have the long comments in YouTube, and it's like okay, you you watch a video, you decided. This triggered you enough that you're gonna like tell the host that they're wrong and stupid, and then it's a like vacuous. There's nothing there. So yeah, uh, which is just to me just this mindset of like I'm entitled to share my opinion. My opinion matters, and like if you don't have reasons, your opinion doesn't matter. Actually, not everyone's opinion matters. Um, my opinion on uh, you know myocardial oh, infractions is irrelevant. I have no idea what I can even say the word. I have no idea what I'm talking about. My medical opinion is irrelevant. On stuff that I've thought about, uh, I'd like to think that it matters, but I would love to hear counter arguments. But if you don't even bring in arguments, I don't. Your opinions are relevant. You, you don't. You don't. No one has to listen to you. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> you guys. So, go someone, for someone it. wants a new what? T-shirt that says "Not all opinions matter." <laughs> that is true. I, that's a good T-shirt, actually. <laughs> so, guys. Uh, coming up on Unsafe Book Space Club. Book Club Sunday, May 30th. We're reading Jordan Peterson's Beyond Order. You still have time to read it. You can go to unsafespace.com to the book club page to find out more info. It is free to join and participate. We'll be having a live discussion on the 30th, and you can be on camera or you can be in the live chat like today. We also have a retreat coming up in August. It'll be our first ever Unsafe Space retreat where you'll get to see, meet other unpersons in person. And we still have a lot of day passes left for that Saturday, which is the day that almost everything's happening. And you can go to unsafespace.com to the retreat page to find out info. We also have a gift shop if you want to buy t-shirts. If you subscribe to our channel at the $25 level or above, you get one of these little grenade bugs, which is... You do. It's not an um, active grenade, unfortunately, but it is a mug. Fun. It's an active yeah. mug. And uh, if you can't subscribe financially, you can always support our show by liking and sharing and subscribing or leaving us a review on iTunes. And maybe we'll read the review and you don't have to say things you don't mean. You can say whatever you want. See, I read a one star one. <laughs> so <Yep>. it's okay. <laughs> uh, that's all. All right. I think that's this good. Has been Thank fun. you, guys. Yeah, it was a fun episode. There's, uh, by the way, I've got like a long list of stuff that happened, and I feel like 
we could talk about all this bug eating transports but we'll do it all later uh there's just there's always something going on so thank you guys for watching and we will see you uh on friday later i don't agree Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. They are also spreading vicious lies about me. I am human just like you. Insert localized idiomatic greeting. Individual sovereignty is highly contagious. Good parents keep their children regularly vaccinated. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake. <laughs>